Good morning or good afternoon, everybody. It's Vincent again. We're back for the second episode of this season, this one being with Kenneth Vigu. For those of you that, for some reason, don't know Kenneth Vigu, he is the big head and mastermind between Fallout 76 podcast and a few others. He's a, he's a big major player on the Robots Radio podcast network, and he's worked close hand with Bethesda on a ton of projects. Um, most of you in the Fallout community, if you don't know him, now's a good time because he is rising up. I had such a great time sitting out talking to him about mostly Fallout, of course, um, during our conversation when we did a few years back, but it is, it's, it's awesome. Um, uh, I, I, I can't speak any more highly of Kenneth. He is such a cool and awesome, talented guy. I, I'm really hope you enjoy this conversation we did. And, um, one little quick update. I do have Fallout 76 now for the record. Uh, and it is fun as shit. You'll hear, you'll hear me not talk about that <laughs> in the episode, but, uh, just an update now. Just remember Fallout 76. If you haven't gotten on board, I would say now's the time. They did have a rough start. You know what? I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna let it go. That's you know what? Presenting everyone, Kenneth you on personalized. So before we actually jump deep, deep into the fallout and the actual amazing podcast chat, I, I've, there's a question that I've been decisive about asking you today, but but I, I think I really do want to know your answer to it. Okay, go ahead. Um, is there a console that you prefer? Uh, PC. PC. Oh, okay. So uh, so none of the actual um, you know uh, I guess nothing nothing portable. Uh, n- no, I, I mean, I have played mobile games on my phone, but, mm. uh, I mean, I haven't even, the last console I played was, uh, NES, like the first one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. I've always been a PC gamer. What, do you remember what the first game you ever played on your PC was? Ooh, good question. The first game I played on my PC was Mist. The first game I played, period, uh, on a PC. God, I, I, th- I think it was it was like a Sesame Street game that we <laughs> we played in first grade, uh-huh. where you had like this weird electronic board that plugged into the thing, and you could push different things. And then when I got a little older, God, I think I remember. Do you remember Manhole? Uh, it was like no. some really weird creepy game that was in black and white it was real trippy wow i don't i don't, I don't need that or the sesame street one that i want to be i want to check the sesame one i want to see what this thing's about <laughs> so uh how are you how's how's it going up there on a sunday i'm good it's uh i'm still tired my, my feet are killing me from yesterday <laughs> you're still coming down off the high of just being there in that moment yeah uh it's kind of like the day after christmas mm. and uh like after everything was done, because it's been two months of anxiety and hype, and then uh, everything was was finished. The cast had left; they were going to dinner, and I was leaving right from the venue. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I was kind of walking out through the city at night. It was cold. And I'm like, well, I guess I guess this is it. <laughs> I listen to sad music on the way home. It's such a <laughs> pathetic thing to do. But uh, uh, I think it's that kind of post-hype malaise when mm-hmm. the, the thing is done and you have nothing left to do but process. That's pr- that's pretty – like I've had that a few times in my life. Like when I finished the, uh, the We Are Live podcast or like – uh, I would say Game of Thrones, but uh, no, I think I was more more confused with that. And then like the Mass Effect ending, like, but what you gone through, man? You know, being at PAX East and being able to perform. I mean, that it was like I said, it, it, I just got to finish it today, and it was it was it's amazing, man. You did you did really good everything from the start to end. I mean, the whole thing was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, the uh, keeping the surprised guest of of Bethesda VP <laughs> Uncle Pete Hines. Uh, it was killing me keeping that secret, but they wanted it to be a big surprise when he came out all dressed up. And uh, as soon as he did, the place went wild. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was screaming in my in my own house just watching it, and then like at the end, like I was standing up in my own house applauding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, a super cool guy. He's the most non-executive executive executive I've ever seen in my life. Super friendly, approachable. Uh, We hung out with him all day until the venue started. and He's just awesome. That's cool. So, like, did you get to, like, fanboy out any minute? You know, like, did you... Because I don't think I would be able to, like, not be around him and not be like, you just don't know how much all your games have meant to me over the years or something like that. You know what? Everybody else did that, but I, mm-hmm. I consciously, to the point that, and I, I kind of am kicking myself now, like everyone else was asking him to sign their scripts uh, and asking to tape selfies with him. But, it, like, in the back of my head, uh, because he's he comes to these events often, mm-hmm. so he's often photographed with a lot of people and likes it when you know you know people come up to him, approach. I kind of wanted to not be that person to to beg him for stuff, right? Uh, so I didn't ask him for for even so much as a, a selfie at all, but uh, all the other cast did. <laughs> yeah, I was trying consciously just to you know play it cool, not not be too ermagerd. <laughs> I don't like, I mean, like, uh, did you, I mean, so how long exactly were you there? Were you just there just the, just for Saturday or, um, yeah, the, the cast got there earlier. They arrived on Thursday, um, and just kind of putzed around the city on Friday. Originally our tech rehearsal was going to be on Friday, Mm -hmm. but we ended up doing it Saturday morning. So I drove down to the city. I'm just in New Hampshire. Um, Okay. And I got there, I think, at uh, a little after 8 o'clock, uh, finding parking there was a complete nightmare. Uh, so finally, after 20 minutes of, of dealing with that, um, I got inside, and that's uh, when I met one of the community managers who kind of spearheaded this whole thing, and we got into the venue first thing. Um, now, I didn't really pay attention to anything else besides uh, Chad being there. But did you by chance get to uh, meet or even see Todd? He was not there. Okay, I didn't. I wasn't sure. Yeah, um, I thought uh, like Nate Perkypile was there uh, mm-hmm. on Friday, and out of all the people, I was most excited about meeting him because I'm such a fan of his art mm-hmm. and his artistry and his lighting concepts. Talk about creating really beautifully immersive lighting and light and shadow plays uh, with his work in the Fallout and Elder Scrolls. 
um, just really stunning stuff. So I wanted to meet him. Unfortunately, he wasn't there. Um, and then Jeff Gardner, I thought, would be there, but he wasn't there either. So it was just uh, Pete and then uh, some of the community managers like uh, Jess, which you've probably seen streaming mm-hmm. for Bethesda on Twitch. And uh, Lady Devon was also there. It's still awesome, man. Just an honor to even be able to like do that with Bethesda support. Like, oh, yeah, I, I am beyond happy for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much you can or can't talk about, but is there any chance that Bethesda and you are, are linking up for anything else in the future, or is this just, just a one-time thing? Uh, no, that is a yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I can talk about is uh, Pete will actually be reprising his character. I was now wondering that he's, about that. Yeah, That's now that he's, he's canon... Um, I asked him, I said, so I really want to bring the judge back for our, mm-hmm. our big finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, well, yeah, sure. You know, whatever you want, if, if you want me to. And in the back of my head, I'm like, are you kidding me? Do I want you to? <laughs> what? Yeah. Like when, and uh, I, like I said, I hate for spoilers for the, cause um, are you going to release the episode as an audio version too, or just, just keep it straight video? Uh, the audio from the live show wasn't great. And I didn't want to, to be able to to get those kind of issues um, on our formal show. Like this one was a very stripped down. Normally I like to create a kind of cinematic sound with our show. Um, you still did it. You still did it in like a way I didn't think you would even be able to. And that was as great as it was. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't bad. But uh, I, I mean, I, I wanted to be able to do a little more. So I had to really strip down our show and create kind of very simplistic seams and a, and a concept that would work in a live mm. setting, but we'll do uh we're going to do a director's cut version of it that I'm going to drop probably in two or three weeks. Uh, okay. There's uh, the script was originally twice the length of this. Um, I usually will write large and then trim away to get the show to the time frame that I needed. Cause we had a maximum of, uh, 50 minutes for this and okay. we hit it exactly i think at like 49 minutes so it was perfectly timed but there's a lot of really great scenes that i had to cut that i want to put back in that i had put in there for a very specific reason like in the beginning because uh you're reintroducing the characters to an audience that probably has no idea who we are right um, so I wanted to reintroduce them in, in a slightly different way than I did the first time. So, uh, you introduced a Chad in the beginning at the vault 69 gym, kind of going through a con. Uh, there was also another scene right after that, that reintroduced you to Simon and it's him on the quest for toilet paper. And he, <laughs> he has to deal with a, a merchant vendor haggling for prices at his merchant machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a really funny scene. So we'll be putting that back in. That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's great. Um, yeah. When, and I, like I said, trying to avoid spoilers, but the, a certain part at the end where it, it kind of leads off, like, you know, Chad mentioning seeing the judge um, again, I was kind of wondering, I'm like, hey, now is that, is there, I didn't know if you were going to, you know, do something different, but that's so cool. That you, um, you know, the, the possibility of bringing them back. That's awesome. I'd put that in there to leave the door open for that. It is exactly, right. exactly that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is so that's that's smart, man. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, and in in kind of a weird 
way, um, getting someone like him on the show, much less, you know, getting Bethesda to really unofficially endorse us in, a, in kind of a cool way, in a, in a weird way, makes the show canon in some ways for some people. Uh, because the characters, people are really connect with them and like them so much. Now, did you find new new fans coming to you um, excited about the the live performance and stuff? And yeah, after the show, after we were done, uh, I had all kinds of people who had never heard of us before or the show before um, that we were handing out. We had these uh, foldable cards that had links to the podcast, and I was handing all those out for people. Um, People wanted us to sign things. It was just, uh, it was kind of weird. <laughs> it feels good, doesn't it? It does, yeah. You deserve it, man. You did, like I said, you've done you've done really well where, where you've gone with this podcast. Thank you, yeah. I am so glad that I happened to stumble upon it and meet, I mean, like I said, it, it is, I, I, I'm not, I don't just say it, just say like, I truly love the story and the production on this. It is, I mean, it is top shelf what you've done so far. Well, thank you. Um, so, you know, with that being said, you know, we've discussed, uh, you know, the PAX East and, and where, where you're at with your podcast. I want to go way back. I want to learn when was your introduction to Bethesda? And I, I guess specifically Fallout, but, but we could just say Bethesda because, uh, you know, we want to lean in the Elder Scrolls as well. But like, you know, at, at what time in your life did you, uh, and which game was it first that, that drug you into Bethesda? Because I know you didn't start out at 76. No, uh, I started with Fallout 3. Um, way back in the day. And um, I absolutely fell in love with that game and the world. Um, the retro futuristic vibe um, coming out of the vault for the first time and seeing the light kind of fade away um, and it opens up below you. Just you can go in any direction. I'd never experienced anything like that before, having an, an open world concept to just kind of play in. Like you could very well follow down the street that's laid out in front of you, or you could decide to, you know, I'm going to take off behind the hill here and see what happens. So that was uh, that was really memorable. It's so crazy. I'm picturing that exact road. I'm picturing behind the hill, the fucking the destroyed little mini neighborhood right there in front of the vault, yeah. and then yeah, um, and then you, into... you have the, the floating. <laughs> you got the iBot that's there, just <laughs> yeah. kind of broadcasting the tunes, and Malcolm McDowell is John Henry Eden. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I want to th- I want to say is it is Nuketown right? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Megaton. Megaton. That's what yeah. it is. I haven't played three in a little bit. I'm I'm currently burning through New Vegas, but I haven't played three in a long time. But I remember I fucked up first time doing Megaton and actually like did the shitty thing. <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck the outcome was going to be because this is my first Fallout and I I, I did destroy it. <laughs> I'll tell you what the uh, Fallout Four Capital Wasteland is going to be coming out. Yes. Uh, one day, and I am going to play the shit out of that. I absolutely love what they've teased so far. Mm-hmm. Um, the YouTuber uh, Juicehead um, was there, and that we spent most of the evening talking about that. That's awesome. Yeah, it does. It does look does look really well. I yeah. like it. Um, when when it comes to like anything Fallout, there seems to not. I mean, no, nah, I'm not gonna lie. There's a few DLC that kind of let me down, but like with usually anything Fallout, I've 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 jumped on that bandwagon and. Really, have not uh, 
not wanting to jump off. I haven't I haven't gotten to take seventy six yet. I haven't gotten to play it, but I, I mean I'm a, I've played and loved like all all of the ones that are currently released, um, except for the older ones. So from three and up. Yeah, same here. Uh, I I love them all for different reasons. Fallout Three, I love because it was my first introduction. Uh, going back now, it's in a lot of ways kind of super janky. Uh, as far as, as replaying it, not from a storytelling perspective, but game mechanics have moved on significantly since then. I loved New Vegas as a whole. Um, it's kind of interesting. People have short memories. I don't know if it's new gamers who were introduced with Fallout 4, but uh, I don't know about you, but at least on PC, playing New Vegas on PC... I mean, talk about glitches and bugs. It's literally what I've been doing. <laughs> Not gonna like, lie, it's literally what I've done all day. Yeah, I mean, but um, in a lot of ways, it's like it's like owning a Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. It, it's a quirky vehicle to drive. Some days it'll start. Uh, some days it won't. Sometimes it'll fail you. But you enjoy the experience of it so much that you kind of overlook that. And I think New Vegas is is kind of that game. It was not perfect as far as uh, performance goes. So it's always interesting. Um, a lot of people who really bash on, on 76 uh, have very short memories in terms of what we had to deal with, with both Fallout 3 and New Vegas. Man, fucking, um, I've, like I said, I'm doing like my, probably with it, like my sixth replay of that game of New Vegas in my lifetime. And like, now I'm currently doing the DLC, and I fucked up Dead Money. I killed the the guy you're not supposed to kill. <laughs> I literally, I literally didn't know what the fuck was going on. Why everyone's mad? And I had to look it up and like saw everyone's complaint. So there's a mod off Nexus. Um, I can't remember the developer's name to give him a shout out, but it's a uh, it's a Titanfall mod. So I think it's called uh, fuck Titanfall Out or something similar to that. But you can look like just look up Titanfall Fallout um, on the Nexus mod site and like. I got so annoyed with just that DLC that I, I it, the the mod kind of has some bugs. It, it crashes a lot, especially if you open your pit boy. But for the most part, it'll work. So I just went in a Titan suit and just walked around most of the map, making my way to that stupid map to kill everybody because <laughs> no one was <laughs> on my side. Nobody. I had no friends in that single fucking canyon. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, those games I I absolutely love. New Vegas from a, a storytelling standpoint, considering what they they had to to crank out that game in the time frame that they did, it's really impressive how much flexibility in terms of, of replay and the faction system and the consequences that they built into that was really amazing. And introducing Robert Edwin House, who's my favorite Fallout character of all time, um, introducing him and, and building on that lore is just amazing. Do you remember where you were when they announced uh, Fallout Four at the E3? Like, do you remember? Like, for me and friends, example, uh, for a long time, my friends and I had like a big party for E3. That was like our thing. We would meet up, um, have a few drinks, and just watch E3. And like that night, when you know, like they, I think they they either teased it or kind of rumored about Fallout Four before the E3, if I remember right. And then like you know, when he came on stage and like you know, I, I basically said, yeah, here's Fallout Four. Here's here's what we're bringing to it like there was so many screaming uh scream just screaming fanboys coming from this house that day like i guarantee the neighbors were pissed (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, I remember watching E3 myself online, and uh, the moment that uh, all of that was was revealed, um, I'd watched a documentary uh, not too long ago that had been done that talked a lot about that, and I didn't realize that they wanted to do a multiplayer Fallout way back uh, in, with Fallout 4, but they, it, for whatever reason, they, they couldn't figure it out at the time. So they released Fallout 4 as is and then continue to work on developing 76 as a multiplayer online game. But it's just interesting to know that uh, they've, they wanted to do it that far back. Yeah, yeah, that's... Um... I mean, it's not, it's, to me, it's not a terrifying thought. Um, like, for instance, the only reason why I'm not currently running Fallout 76 is because I don't have a computer that can do it. So I'm still working on that situation. But, like, in general, like, the idea of getting to play with other friends isn't bad. But, you know, um, I'm not going to get in the, the downfalls of the things I've heard about 76. But, but honestly, like, for a long time, I was, I, and this, this is going to be personal, like, I was honestly against the game for a while. Because of all, I was like, I don't want to dive into this if, if this is how much hate it's going to get. And then, like, I heard your podcast, and you, in the way you kind of, I wouldn't say reintroduced re- it to me, but it kind of got me on, like, the idea that, you know, this actually does sound fun, you know, with, with what they're doing. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of wanted me back over on the game. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And that's, in a lot of ways, we've, we've got people back into the game. Um, because they, they simply listened to the critics and the press as opposed to experience it for themselves. And I think one of the biggest missteps was, um, I remember that moment when, when Todd Howard was talking at E3 about what the game would be and that don't worry, you know, if you prefer to play by yourself, you can, you know, play it as a single player and enjoy the experience. I don't now agree with that because I think it's set up um, an unrealistic expectation. Even in previous Fallout games, the pacing of the gameplay and being under threat without having an NPC to deliver key information to you and kind of a stop bullet time moment where you're focused on their speech, nothing's running up behind you, a mole rat's not going to eat your feet while you're in the middle of listening to a holotape. Um, in this game, if, if you don't have friends on and you're playing through yourself, as I have more than several evenings, um, you know, you're, you're reading scraps of paper or you're listening to a holotape and it's difficult to digest the story. Um, a lot of people that that play the game complain that uh, they played it for a short period of time. Complain that there there was no story, which isn't accurate. There's actually some really amazing storylines in the game. The problem is they're not in a digestible format that people have the patience for in this day and age. Unless you're someone who's really into lore and who will take the time to to read uh, the scraps of paper or listen to the holotape and then try and, and chase down the threads of that story. A great example of that is the Enola Walker tapes, which if you follow them and keep finding the tapes, the story is just really sad and super compelling where, you know, her family is killed. Uh, she gets infected by this scorched plague and vows vengeance and then eventually becomes the thing that she wanted to kill. Um, you find her eventually in Glass Cavern. 
So it's just kind of a, a sad moment. Overall, if you had to choose, what would be your favorite Fallout game? Out of all of them. My favorite one I would... Uh... And this may be a question that you've been asked several times, but not for me. So I, I, I honestly want to know. It is, and I, I give the same answer that I love them for different reasons. I can't not love 76 because I play it a lot. And um, the experience for with every game, every Fallout game that I played was very different. Fallout 3 was the first game that introduced me to this kind of open world gaming. I'd never played an open world game before. So that I have strong, fond memories of. Uh, New Vegas was a completely different experience for me in, insofar as taking that to the next level. I loved the storytelling and all of that. 76, um, Fallout 4, I played and enjoyed, but it, it is the least favorite out of all of the other three. I think because even though it was kind of local to me, it was cool seeing Boston and everything else. I didn't connect with that game in the same way that I did the previous ones. And thinking about it, I think the reason for that is unlike the other games, you're given a very specific scenario that you're dropped into. You're not born uh, going from the cradle and then kind of making your way into adulthood like in Fallout 3 or a courier with no backstory. You could kind of invent your own backstory. The only thing that's defined about you is that you were a courier and you get shot in the head. Everything else from that point is up to you to role play as you want, who you were, what you did, that kind of thing. Um, Fallout 4, you're given a very specific and very narrow uh, narrative from an RPG standpoint, like, okay, here I am with my wife and okay, I guess I have a kid. Uh, I don't know if I wanted either one of those, but here we are. Uh, and off we go. Um, I don't know. I, and I didn't enjoy that experience as much, um, as the other games. The other thing that I, I hated with fallout four was settlement building. Um, that got repetitive. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it at first, but of course, and I know this is like a common complaint, but the fucking missions over and over. But for the most part, I actually honestly enjoyed it. I got lost in doing that. I think I would have enjoyed it if I had somebody who cared. Like with Fallout 76, one of the biggest things about this game is become base building. Mm-hmm. People are proud of what they build and they like to show it off. So dropping the vending machines in the game to kind of put an alert for everyone to kind of fast travel to your camp and check out what your home is kind of ingenious because we all go around, we check out each other's houses. You get inspired to build in different ways. I pick up ideas from all the different camps that I see. And I think it, it, it gets me to build so that I can build something cool and show it off and invite people in. And when you're hanging with friends, like right now, uh, and I'll end up demolishing in a month to, to do something else. But I built a nightclub. So it's the Electric Mothman Psychedelic Swingers Club. <laughs> and so with our group, uh, our Discord group, we'll all hang out there on, on Friday nights. And uh, we'll all meet up in the club. We'll have drinks and stuff and then go off and do whatever. So it just kind of becomes a central hub. But you create the space for other people to enjoy in a weird way. So um, I'm going to ask, you know, the obvious questions here. Where did Chad, where did this Chad podcast come into play? Like, how did that, the, even uh, the mentioning and idea of this start? This, uh, 
this is where things get interesting. So the reason that uh, I love Fallout 76 is for no other reason that this game has no clear narrative for you. Because uh, even the the hollow tapes, the notes, it's kind of an empty void. You're kind of out there playing on your own. Uh, everyone is dead except for the people that you run into as other players or the friends that you run with. So you have kind of a complete sandbox to do a lot more with. And for whatever reason, I was inspired in a way that I wasn't by the previous games like I stopped writing creatively over a decade ago. And for for whatever reason, this game became my muse. Um, we were hanging with a, a group of people in, it was one of the schools, I think it was the Morgan, Morgantown High School, um, just kind of going through one Friday evening. And we started uh, reminiscing about high school and telling stories from high school. And I remember this irritating douchebag bully named Chad. And then everyone <laughs> else in the group, there was there was four of us in the entire team. They all knew a Chad and all had similar stories about how much of a douchebag Chad was. Um, so that got me th- thinking, if unlike high school where you, once you graduate, you go out those doors and it's over. You never really see that person again unless they end up in the the paper for you know batteries for their wife or uh, Chad's in jail again. Um, you don't run into that person again. Whereas this is a very different situation. There's only a handful of you. So you know here you you happy go lucky you skip out of the vault, and uh, <laughs> you think you've escaped this person, but you can't go very far. Uh, everyone knows where everyone is on the map, and everywhere this this person went, Chad was there waiting, um, just being irritating and asking for things, and finally you have enough, and uh, you kill him. And that's where our story starts, not ends. I started... Uh, I started writing journal entries just as something funny with screenshots from the game. So I wrote this short one uh, that talked about running into Chad again, and he just basically shows up at your camp, asks for things, takes things, doesn't return them, uh, and then starts banging away at your armor workbench at three, four o'clock in the morning until finally you have enough, and then you just shoot him uh, and bury him. Uh and those the stories were wildly popular in the Fallout groups, um, and people started saying this should be a podcast, this should be a thing, you should get this published, and blah blah blah. So I thought, what? Why not try a podcast? Um, I listened to to quite a lot of them. No Sleep uh, was my introduction to podcasts, and I absolutely love their storytelling. Um, so I I. If I was going to do it, I had a very specific sound that I wanted to try and create with the podcast and tell a kind of cinematic story with a soundscape that was immersive. And uh, in editing them, I I create environmental soundscapes. So if you want to get a true idea of how I want you to to immerse yourself in the story, listen to them with headphones as opposed to regular speakers, uh, because the directional sound and the sounds that move around you are created very specifically to, to tell a story. And even if you can't see the action, you can, with your mind's eye, with the help of your ears, uh, picture an arrow flying through the air or the slice of a hatchet as your head is lobbed off. 
um, or even someone coming into the room and moving from left to right until uh, they're by you. I actually, I actually listen on headphones myself, um, and I, I highly back you know echo what you said. Like with the the headphones, like it it it's a way different experience than just listening on like your uh, I guess entertainment system, if um, for say. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you got the chat going. You're, I mean, it's it's picking up like that. I mean, you're you're all over this place with the social media. I mean, with Bethesda. I mean, with the PAX East, and just how fucking hilarious it is. And like you know, I I had I had sent you a message earlier today when I was watching, finally catching up on the live show, and like, uh, you know, when at some point when Chad's asked to do something, he's just like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I promise you, I wanted to fall on the floor laughing so hard at just the <laughs> writing with him. Yeah, uh, the characters um, are are characters that you either love or love to hate. Right. And there's an interesting dynamic in that, uh, like after episode three, when this initially started out as just me reading um, my own first person perspective of what was going on in the world, mm-hmm. to by episode four, I brought in a full, huge cast of characters um, voice actors to to voice the roles. Alexander Luther is just the perfect Chad. Um, he's actually uh, British, so he's he's from England, but he does just the best uh, American bro accent that you could ever visualize, and he has that character nailed, like perfectly done. Um, the character uh, of Chad undergoes a change. When he he meets Susie, who is really our our, our third most popular character, uh, this little ghoul, this pre-war girl frozen in time, that just kind of wanders around Appalachia, committing uh, casual homicide. For real, <laughs> they yes, first she meet does. at a lemonade stand. Uh, they meet at a lemonade stand where she she finds. Um, there's a, a Mr. Handy in the game that sells lemonade at a lemonade stand. You can buy lemonade or the recipe. And uh, she just kind of strolls up to him, uh, cuts all of his Mr. Handy arms off, and then damages his voice box. Uh, so he can just continue living, but not able to move or communicate, which is just the most terrifying prospect. Uh, and then she takes over the lemonade stand, it poisons all the lemonade, and starts poisoning the vault dwellers that are emerging from 76. Um he meets her and immediately realizes what she's up to. And they have kind of a unique exchange. Later, she's the one that digs Chad out of the grave, gives him a stim pack, and heals him. And he becomes this surrogate father figure in a really bizarre way. But as much as you hate Chad, their relationship and how he looks out for her and cares for her um, – confuses you in that as much as he's a complete douche he he's yet a surprisingly good father figure so mm-hmm. you're kind of baffled in terms of how you should feel about him versus how you should feel about Simon I every time I listen I try to figure out who is still my favorite I I think I think Simon still wins uh barely but like Chad and Moose is they're, they're I mean they're so fucking funny it's just it's hard not to love them. Like I, I don't think there's anybody I actually hate. Everybody's just hilarious. The doll, like especially when you guys did it live, like every time she would just shake the doll, I'm like, okay, I, he's either doing the audio 
or there's fucking something coming from that doll. But I, I'm pretty sure you were doing the, just uh, just audio playing for it, right? Yeah, the doll actually uh, I had made. Um, she's she's a working prototype. I'm gonna make a few more. Uh, but the voice box is inside her, and I programmed it with the catchphrases. So, so when you squeeze the doll, like she'll say her catchphrases and start singing the Teddy Bear's Picnic. I love that um, song. Is that the one? This Teddy Bear's Picnic. Is that the name of the one where they talk about um, going through the woods? Yes, exactly that. Uh, okay, are you gonna sell them? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, a, f- a few. They're kind of a, a pain in the ass to make, and they're not uh, cheap to make i don't make them there's a, a doll maker who actually makes them uh and then the voice box is something that uh i program with the voice clips and then just stitch into her um but she's uh she's kind of special <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing i love that love that love that love that so fucking much dude that is such an awesome i did not think you that is so cool yeah she uh the the doll and Susie, um, a, a lot of characters come from a very specific place where they'll be inspired by someone I know or a situation, or there'll be a composite of people. Like Brian, who's the camp counselor, who is just the most irritating person in the world because he is he's over-the-top enthusiastic about He's having he's having the best time of his life during the apocalypse. Uh you just can't stand him. That uh his character is is one of Pete Hines's favorites. He every time he talked, even when you watch the live stream back, Pete couldn't stop laughing. I saw uh, that he slipped like twice. Like he yeah. couldn't help it because Brian is just so irritating. <laughs> Brian was inspired by somebody that I was in the Boy Scouts with. Um that same exact personality. Um, whereas Susie and Ella, this these these creepy little feral ghoul, uh, not feral ghoul, but this creepy little girl uh, ghoul and her her possessed doll came to me in a dream. I dreamed up them at a lemonade stand, just kind of singing this teddy bear's picnic song, and I woke up and I thought that is gold. <laughs> I don't know where she, I don't know where she came from, but uh, I think that's why, in a lot of ways, she's more fleshed out in a unique way than maybe the other characters. She she came from this kind of bizarre headspace. Man, I, you have put so much detail into this that it is crazy. I mean, you and you know, and that's why you know, like there are articles with you being interviewed on Forbes. You know, you've been in PAX. I mean, like I said, you. I, I wouldn't plan on trying to do anything big else with my life right now. I mean, you're about to be way busier than what you expected. I could see it coming. <laughs> I wouldn't complain. I've got, um, I have plans for four seasons, four specific arcs that I want to do. And then we'll see what happens after that. Um, we're halfway through our season, uh, our first season now. And then we'll be wrapping that up probably around June. Uh, with the season finale, which will be uh, a really explosive epic that's going to finally resolve Chad and Simon's conflicts. Oh, so when you're not when you're not playing Fallout and you're not working on this amazing podcast, what is it you what 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 does Kenneth do outside of outside of the gaming industry? Uh, and the podcast? I have a, yeah, I have a very full time job. Uh, mm. I own a marketing firm, so. Um, 
we do uh, every really turnkey everything web design graphics design uh, packaging design copy a whole bunch of stuff for clients all over the world so is that a work at home thing or is that a business office thing nope it's a work at home thing everything we, everything we do is virtual which is which is kind of nice I mean, it has its pros and cons. Once you start working for yourself, uh, you have the perceived flexibility, uh, but your phone never stops ringing. And because of time zones, like sometimes my phone will ring at 830 at night or, you know, I got a 730 at night conference call uh, with the West Coast, which is kind of a, a drag. <laughs> I, I guess I could say I could feel you on that with, with certain aspects on, um, you know, in just the, the podcasting world, different um, people that I work with all over um, the world. Most of them are in Australia. And so um, I have to try to my best to work around. So, cause you know, cause they're, 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 they're pretty much not just colleagues, but they're like friends of mine. And so if I really want to talk to them, I've got to remember, you know, certain time zones. And um, at some point it can get hectic. Like this morning I woke up for an interview, um, the goal was to be up around four-ish, and I accomplished it, uh, so I could have coffee and be awake for the interview at seven o'clock in the morning. So, uh, some my guests can also, you know, make sure their times um, adequate for their end as well. Right. Yeah. What's a day-to-day like for you? Uh, mostly work. Um, in the evenings after work, usually during the week, is when I'll I'll work on our next episode, um, and I'll chip away at that, um, and then I'll usually play an hour or two of of seventy six on Friday nights. Will we have our we call it Friday night fuckery, where it's just <laughs> uh, we all have drinks and uh, hang out. We we go do queen runs or arctos. Um, or the imposter sheep squatch do those events and just uh, hang out as a group. Um, the cast, uh, some of the cast are on PC, so we'll play that as well. More recently, we got into PTS, uh, so we've been playing Wastelanders early. Oh, oh! And so, is it is it everything you've been wanting with it? Like, I mean, because I know it adds NPCs. Yes, it does uh beyond that per the nda we we can't yeah, even right, express right, right. an opinion of any kind oh you can't oh you can't even like actually like give an actual like new no, not a wink not a nod not on anything <laughs> um but if you look uh people uh at bethesda game days were playing it um you could you play wastelanders uh everyone had 20 minute sessions where you could experience it from the vault on a new character to go out and explore. So uh, the people that did that, like Juice said, did a video on it that just dropped the other night. Um, Tom, who's on our cast, who's also the uh, Fallout lore cast, a guy, Mr. Robots, mm. um, he played it as well and was had just shared his thoughts. Um, so if you check them for sources, they'll be able to tell you more than I can. Um, so I got a bit of a somewhat, no, I wouldn't say it's, well, my next two questions probably may or may not be some form of backstabbing, but I wouldn't say they are, but like, <clears throat> so in theory, okay. Or, or, or I guess just for this concept, if Bethesda came out tomorrow and said, Hey, um, we are working on a single player fallout game, um, and it will be released. And at the same time, Elder Scrolls six is, which are you more excited for right now? Elder Scrolls 6 or the next Fallout? 
if they both if they both came out in the same time window and you had to choose one just for the time being. I mean, it w- I would have to say Fallout because of how attached I am to it. The uh, the only um, I played the hell out of Skyrim. Absolutely love Skyrim. I've never played any of the previous um, Elder Scrolls games, so I, I came late to the party. So I don't as much as I loved loved Skyrim. I'm not as deeply entrenched with Fallout as uh, as I am the Elder Scrolls. So if I had to choose one of those, it would have to be uh, Fallout Five. Man, just just the the idea of Fallout Five. Like, I think I'm with you on that one. Um, I am excited for Elder Scrolls Six. Like, I love Skyrim. Like, you know, like it feels like everyone in the world loves Skyrim. I pl- I did get to play Oblivion. Uh, Oblivion was good to me. The only issue is the fucking uh, the gates got annoying over and it felt so fucking repetitive like it lost me i could not play any more oblivion i did so many of those fucking gates i feel like they never shut i know well, clearly every, me and you both big fallout fans yeah but like for instance example i have an n7 tattoo on my wrist i am a diehard mass effect fan i am one of the few people on earth who actually enjoyed andromeda um is there another game series or another maybe standalone game that has your heart alongside Fallout? That's not, I would say not Bethesda related for this incident. I, before getting into this, I did really enjoy the Crisis series. I feel like it kind of went drastically off the rails, <laughs> uh, even from a storytelling standpoint. Um, Fast and Furious. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the first Crisis was oh my god you you want to talk about something that would drop kick the crap out of your computer uh and then just burn it to the ground from a graphics perspective oh mm. my god that that game serves as a, a benchmark for i think a decade for uh how good is your computer can it run crisis at this that and the <laughs> other thing um uh, that game uh visually and from a storytelling point was amazing um I, I loved that series. I also really enjoyed the Call of Duty series. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, I, I loved the the immersive storytelling there. Um, I really enjoyed the hell out of that, too. Wow. Call of, I honestly did not see Call of Duty. I did not see that coming for you. Are you are you still uh, are you still like dabbling with the Call of Duty here and there, or are you are you referring to the older or the newer? Modern no, Warfare? like the, the original Modern Warfare's. I think I played uh, I played one, two, and three, and then uh, the other ones just didn't entice me at mm. all. Uh, I never had any interest in playing the the multiplayer uh, on that because uh, I I, I want to enjoy my evening, not listen to you know. <laughs> Two little squeakers. Twelve <laughs> year old kids call you a a bastard or a boomer or whatever. Um, yeah. But the single player I, I enjoyed those a lot. Was there any other um influences with Chad besides uh, you know, people you met in your life? Was there any movies or possibly music albums that influenced um the the idea and the uh, inspiration for Chad? Not really. I, I mean his his name, uh, ironically enough, is uh, exactly the same as this kind of this this douchebag bro type that was on The Bachelor for a while, uh, <laughs> whose name is Chad Johnson, uh-huh. um, it, it, and is exactly what you think a Chad would be. 
um, a lot of how Chad is is pretty much every MTV bro from like Road Rules, uh, Real World of like the late '90s, early 2000s. That that same kind of bro culture when it was really a thing is is very much Chad. In a lot of ways, he's he's like a weird um, hybrid in voice kind of Matthew McConaughey with a little bit of surfer bro kind of thrown in there. Um, yeah, that's that's very Chad. Um. So when you started, Chad, was there any, like, was there any, like, was this your original? Not, I mean, not that you came off thinking, I want to go with, I mean, you might have, but like, you know, I want to be talking to Bethesda and get things going with this. But like, what was your original intent with creating Chad? Just, just to bring the gamers in from my understanding, or is there something on a more personal scale? Because you have also said before, you know, that you want to, um, you know, pull fans in, you want to, to, uh, you know, share your love and, and such. I just wanted to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to to laugh and to feel um, and connect with this. But more importantly, I, I don't. I have a very different take on this game than a lot of other people do. Um, as far as enjoying it, for me, maybe this says something about my personality. Every glitch that I saw in the game became the best fodder for writing um for instance the 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 stretched kind of windigo glitch where your character is all stretched out um because you just exited power armor or you're in power armor and you can't see it your character is all kind of distorted looking you look like a, a modified version of the slender man um and you're you're practically nude you have underwear for whatever reason you're closed in the spawn <laughs> that glitch I just found hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so that inspired me to create a mute character named Legs because the legs are like twice the size of the normal length. And Legs becomes a character that Simon runs into a few different times. Um, that's where that came from. Some of the other glitches has to do with mechanics. In the early days, area chat was always on. So I would be just you know casually strolling through the countryside and then you hear a dog barking or someone eating potato chips into the microphone or in one instance, a couple debating over which one of them was going to be tied up that evening. Um, <laughs> it was kind of a, yeah, they, you can't do that anywhere. Now it's all push to talk unless you enable it, but it was kind of wild back then. But all of that stuff kind of found its way to the story. One of the reasons that people enjoy the show as much as they do is not just the storytelling, but the meta commentary. So commenting about game mechanics or things that don't make sense. 300 pounds of scrap material stuffed into a three by five paper bag uh, makes no sense. How death has no consequences, um, that you can't die. All of this experienced from the players themselves, you're, you're hearing them kind of dealing with this and wondering what the hell is going on here and not having any answers. Um, which we will, this season is focused on death and not having consequences to dying and what that would do to you over time, where each time you die, you go somewhere else where you have to pay a hefty price to come back. 
eventually that will affect um, your psyche. But more importantly, because death is that casual, you are more casual in dealing out death to others. So something as simple as someone waking you up at 3 a.m. using your workbench, you think nothing of just shooting them in the face. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like when you, when it kind of took me, it kind of, I, I know I was like, I was listening when you, and I guess it's again, spoilers listeners, but if you haven't listened to it by now, you need to fucking do it. Um, when, when you had come back and you had waken up and, and in the role of Simon, it took me a minute to comprehend what you're doing. I was like, Oh, this dude's breaking so many fucking walls right now. with this. <laughs> it was such an interesting concept and I loved it so much. Yeah, we're going to in a very specific direction and tying it back in with lore. Um, I'm trying to find plausible ways to explain the mechanics that these characters are experiencing, why they're happening in the way that they're happening. I love it. I am so fucking excited for it. Thank you, yeah. Um, So as this episode starts winding down a little bit, there's a few more questions I want to ask. And one of them being, what is your dream night? Like when I say dream night, like if you could have a night coming up in the future where you could do whatever you want, eat whatever you want, uh, drink whatever you want, play whatever you want, spend spend time with whoever you want. um, What would these things be? And what day of a week would it be? Ooh, let's see. I think oddly enough, it would be <laughs> it would be traveling back to like nineteen ninety-eight. Okay. And playing at two o'clock in the morning, uh eating a hot pocket <laughs> with my <laughs> my best friend Kurt Bergeron and mm-hmm. playing the first Quake. Oh. Did not see that coming. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I when that's one of the when I first got into gaming, playing the first Doom, the first Quake, especially Quake, uh, I had a smoke machine in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd have the smoke machine going and uh, playing Quake and the creepy ass music um, and sound effects um, was really a, a cool experience. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. Did you? So, are you playing, um, or have you dabbled with? Uh, is it Champions? Is it Quick Champions? I, has it even released? I saw like something like years ago about it, and then like I'm not a big. I've never. I guess I've never really played Quake, so I can't say I'm big. Not not or not big fan, but like, is it like where are we at with that? Uh, to be honest, I stopped playing Quake uh, for the same reason that um, after the first couple of games. It it became something completely different. I, I just lost the story or the environment. Um, I didn't connect with that in the same way either. So no, I didn't even play that. Um, and so earlier you had mentioned your best friend. Um, is this somebody that you still um communicate today? And does he listen or have anything to do with Chad? No, he does not. It's one of those things where. Uh, after life in high school, we still talk uh, every few months. But he lives uh, he lives down in Massachusetts. I'm in New Hampshire, but he works in film now, so he's he's busy constantly. And I have more of a, a set schedule. So usually, when he's up at like ten, eleven o'clock at night trying to send a text, um, I've I've long since gone to bed. 
Story of my life. Story of my life. I feel yeah. like no one wants to say anything until like I'm asleep, and then I wake up in the morning and have to be like, "Sorry, I was asleeping. Um, my age. Sorry, sorry." <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, and I guess to further extend the question, is there any? Is there anybody you know, like your? Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. Are you if you're married or in a relationship? But is your partner or your parents like? I mean, how many people outside in your personal life um, have listened to Chad and um, you know, like you know, I guess giving you. I wouldn't say like giving like how many people have loved outside of your personal life love chat podcast. Uh, my brother listens to it and loves it, uh, and my dad uh, actually does as well. But beyond that, people are just—it's uh, kind of a thing where you get it or you don't get it. <laughs> right, right. One of yeah. one of my close, almost best friends, pretty much. I mean, one of my feels like a damn brother at this point. He, uh, he's, he's. He's he lives in Washington now. Moved away um, a few years back, and um, like he, him and I, one of the things that him and I and a few others in the group kind of bonded over was like Bethesda, but specifically Fallout. Like he is a diehard Fallout fan, um, and I have been pushing and pushing him. I'm like, you really need to listen to Chad. You really need to listen to Chad. Like I have been doing everything but grabbing, but driving up there to grab him by the ears and make him listen to Chad. <laughs> um, <laughs> But like you know, as someone who also has you know works on several other podcasts and stuff, it's kind of it's kind of hard when you know like with with uh, with you know personal outside of family or just family in general ones who don't really understand podcasts or ones who do but just don't really like you know for instance my now ex girlfriend um, or fiance she when um, she would not she could not it's not that she hated them she just could not focus on even like the simplest of podcasts with just two people talking and then when you start loading in sound effects and stuff it really like it really annoyed because she just she couldn't focus and couldn't keep up with what's going on and i mean some people have it some people don't like i don't have it with like role-playing podcasts i can't do it because i'm trying to i'm the same way with that uh there's some very very nice people that have fallout role-playing podcasts uh or they kind of like do it like a D and D night and um i cannot get into those i i try to but i just i i can't <laughs> like and, and the one like and i i work um i work pretty close with you know halo moment and their their flagship um gale adventures and i've listened to a few episodes for for audio for audio stuff and things we've been working on or doing and you know, and I, I really love what they're doing, but like for the long run, you know, I, I try to, you know, I've explained it to them. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm so bad at trying to listen to them because I, I'm, I'm trying to be like, I want to keep up with the story. Nope. I want to keep up with the technical terms. Nope. I want to keep up with the fun and I can't do it. I, I just don't know why. It's just, it's, it's just one of the things you just got to have. Yeah. And even like, uh, everyone connects with different kinds of podcasts. There are very few podcasts that I listen to that aren't storytelling. Um, I listened to Under the Influence by Terry O'Reilly. He's a hero of mine in marketing, a complete genius. Um, what makes his podcast great is that he teaches lessons through storytelling. So it really sucks you in. So you get the, the history of advertising or uh, color or price told through some real world stories. Um, and some historical stories in a really compelling way. And his voice is very compelling. 
um, it draws you in, so you you pay attention and listen. In the same way that, uh, like Lore, Aaron Mankey is another great podcast to listen to. He has a very unique voice to listen to. Um, and then No Sleep, you have a complete cabal of different voice actors, but all of those stories, the, the horror of them, um, is just done exceptionally well. Yeah, um, I think like in a in the past episode of Personalized, I just um, uh, well, I guess I was talking to um, you know, she was talking about her love for No Sleep, and then Charlotte Norup, who was interviewed like one of the earlier episodes of Personalized, um, she she mentioned like it was funny. She mentioned it was like released last year. She mentioned loving No Sleep and like was was dreaming of being able to uh, be on one of the episodes, and then lo and behold, uh, sometime earlier this year. Uh, she was, she got to be featured on an episode and like, you know, when she was telling me she was like losing her mind of how excited she was and how much it meant the world to her with that podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see, um, at different podcasts, how they've grown and evolved. Um, and it's, it gives me my own ideas. Like out of all of the podcasts out there, there are only a handful that have really taken off um, in a big way, like mm-hmm. lore, um, was one of the first podcasts out there of its kind in the same way that serial was and is completely groundbreaking, drew people in. Uh, and then before you know it, it becomes an Amazon prime series. Um, and then you have, uh, not the Lime Town is also becoming its own series. You have a lot of these podcasts that that go on to be like actual shows, um, which is just kind of cool to see that evolve. And No Sleep, uh, as far as a podcast becoming a sustainable thing, that started out with just these subreddit stories, and right. now has become a full time job where David Cummings can make a living doing what he loves and just telling stories. And the authors are able to keep telling stories and making money off it. Uh, I think that's remarkable. Yeah, like um, um, Limetown became a Facebook watch series. And then um, Homecoming became, which is from Gimlet Media, I think. They came like a, a, a another Amazon Prime. Like it's, you're right, like it, it's crazy how like you can go from just from just sitting down, like I'm going to record a podcast. Like look at Girl in Space. Sarah has, I mean, she has fucking climbed the ranks and like she started out as just her um you know very well done acting and like you know and and doing telling the story she's telling and you know now she's like she's another well-known podcast and like people love her like people love i mean i've i've mentioned her i've talked to her a few times about little things here and there and you know she's just she's a pleasurable person as is and like you know it's in, in this circles all the way back to Chad. Like it's crazy how you could just start something that you have a passion for. And then like all these people that you didn't expect just come out middle of nowhere and like push your passion further than what you exceeded or what you expected. If you would have said to me last year that, uh, writing these bullshit stories, you're going to be presenting a podcast live on stage at Bethesda, uh, and spend the day hanging out with, with Pete Hines. I would have thought you were insane. I I did not expect any of this to turn into anything. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happened. Um, it's still bizarre to me how quickly things have grown. Like when I I finally figured out this morning, um, 
even since we announced and have been promoting that we were going to be at Bethesda Game Days and Bethesda and everyone else, the Forbes articles um, came out, all of that um, has really catapulted us forward. We doubled our listenership in the last 30 days alone. So we have 117,000 listens and subscribes right now since we first launched the show. Um, and on our, our average listenership, that puts us in the, the top 20% of all podcasts based on the number of listens within a 30-day period, which is uh, kind of cr- – it's insane. <laughs> I, I I am and, – and I say this like for – I am – Saying this not just as a friend, but as a as a you know, as a fan, I I love this story, and I am so excited to see what's next. Every episode is a fucking delight, and I it literally makes me want to stop what I'm doing to laugh. <laughs> Good. Um, Originally, that was my intent. <laughs> so, um, with this with this being said, um, I, I just want to have one more closing out question. If you could, if you could give personal advice to someone to a listener right now who who may be uh, maybe deciding to start their own podcast with a passion they love um, and with results they they probably don't even foresee what would you give that person that one person who is who is sitting down right now and and just and and deciding on how which route they're gonna take you know like do something different and make it your own Um this gets into a little bit of my marketing background, but um, in clients that I coach in branding when they're getting ready to launch a product, people don't care about what it is. They care about what it will do for them. And in order to get them to notice it, you need to do things a little differently, but in a way that is authentic to you. Um, as an example, the, the secret sauce, I think, that made that made our show work was a recipe of a few specific things. I have a love for, for vintage golden age of radio uh, dramas, radio plays, vintage ones like the Whistler lights out all of those. I listened to on vinyl when I was a kid that I checked out from the library. And in that period, in that time, stories told over the radio watched uh, or listened to in the same way that TV is watched now, those writers were brilliant with the way in which they they sculpted dialogue and created compelling storylines, compelling characters. Without you being able to see them, you were able to visualize them. Sound effects-wise, they were able to create environments for you, and you could see what was going on in your mind's eye. That served as as a component to this. Um, experiences from life served as a component. Fallout um, and 76 specifically served as a component. Other things like South Park, Monty Python, um, all served as components that kind of got tossed into the mix and became this thing. A lot of the the humor in it is really, uh, there's a lot of dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and sexual innuendo and violence and Love it. Uh, Love it all. obscenities and, and all of that. But if you look a little deeper, there's also a lot more going on there than all of that top line stuff. There's Taoism principles worked into the show. There's layers of philosophy that is in there. Um, 
we get into the psychology of self that's in there. Um, if you you look beyond some of the top line stuff that is there to draw people in, if you pay attention or analyze, there are some specific things that I've done to get you to feel a certain way about certain people or what's going on, uh, connect with in a specific way. But in, in all of those instances, if you're going to make a podcast, make it your own, make it unique to you. It doesn't matter what kind of podcast that you're doing. Um, I do think that storytelling podcasts right now are the one thing that people should be really focusing on because there's a lot of discussion shows and entertainment shows. There's tons of movie review shows. But right now, in the same way that that uh, storytelling has come back into the picture for advertising um, because the the retail landscape right now it's become so commoditized. There's so many things to choose from, so many commodities. The only thing that people are connecting with now are real stories. So you connect with brands that, you know, um, it's a woman who, I don't know, had, had cancer. And while she was going through chemotherapy, she started making her own sweaters or something. You find yourself drawn into that kind of compelling story. So that becomes part of the ethos of the brand. If you're going to make a podcast, find your, your own elements that are compelling about you or that you can create that would be compelling for other people. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me today. Um, and like and like I said Thank a million you. times, I am I'm I'm a huge fan, and I am so excited to see where you go. And trust me, I will be hitting you up where all these questions are. Yeah, we're going to uh, the first half of the season was really in introducing the characters. In the last episode that we dropped before the Christmas episode, things started changing in Appalachia. Um, with the introduction of some new threats and the ratcheting up of Simon's kind of desperation to address his cannibalism, which he's lost control of and made some terrible choices. As we get into the last half of the season, some very specific things are going to happen that's going to change the way that you view certain characters and is going to pit two sides against each other. People will either agree with Simon and side with him, or people will agree with Chad and side with him. Oh, oh, and to say one more thing, um, and I'm sorry, I know it's semi-off-topic, but before I forget, uh, so uh, right now, I'm re- like I said, I'm replaying New Vegas, and I'm on that stupid old World Blues DLC. Yes. And you know those, those exosuits that run around all the time? Um, yep. Every time, sometimes they'll drop human flesh. And like every time I look at it in my selection, I'm like, I instantly think of Simon. I'm like, I don't want to make that mistake. <laughs> instantly think of Simon every time I see it. Yeah. But again, thank you, Kenneth. Thank you very much. This episode features Kenneth Vigu from Chad, a Fallout 76 story. You can find Chad and other great podcasts such as our friends, DL Gaming, Fallout Lorecast, and so much more at robotsradio.net. Contact information for Kenneth Vigue will be listed in the show notes. Want more podcasts like Personalized? 
You can go to gravityundone.net to find other podcasts such as Space Brains, Exit Plan, and My Creativity. And we would really appreciate if you followed Personalized on social media, as well as sharing with us your favorite guests and your favorite episodes. And also, if you want to leave us a review on platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Thanks for listening. should introduce myself. Um, I'm Corin Black, a humble half-demon, and folks around Baltimore call me the Devil's Runt. Here we go, finally moving again. How do you feel about methamphetamines? You know... Devil's blood don't make you a devil. Under the Shroud. Fantasy, noir, and horror from Baltimore's sin-soaked streets. Find creator Ian Humphrey on Twitter at fictionalian.